0: You know, in trying times like the ones we're in it's easy for discouragement for fear for confusion and uncertainty to start to creep into our lives and when these things creep into our life they tend to begin to rob us of hope they begin to enter our lives in such a degree that we begin to lose hope now this is concerning because hope is what gives vigor to our lives it's, it, hope, it's so important. It has been said that a person can live for 40 days without food. A person can live with three days without water and about five minutes without air. But it has been said that they cannot live without hope. You can exist without hope, but you cannot fully live without Hope. To exist, it's it's a state of survival. When you're just existing, you're trying to survive, which all you do in that case is respond to circumstances. But when you are fully alive, that's a proactive state. That is a life that is in constant growth and development. It is a life that says, I wanna reach my highest potential. If there was ever a day that gives us hope, It's the resurrection. In fact, that's why the church gathers week by week on Sunday for worship. Because we celebrate and commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And every Sunday, every Sunday in our Sunday celebrations, we celebrate the fact that there's an empty tomb. The tomb is empty because Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose and he is alive. It's an empty tomb. And because the tomb is empty, you and I, we can have hope. There is hope because Jesus is alive. And hope is vital. And in trying times like the ones we're, we're facing right now, many of us, we run the risk of losing hope or maybe You've already lost hope. So it begs to ask the question, is there something that I can do? Is there something that we can do to avoid losing hope? Or what about those of us who already lost hope? Is there something we can do to gain hope back, to restore hope back into our lives? Well, the answer is found in the report of the resurrection of Jesus. And today, being that we celebrate and we remember his resurrection, we want to look at a passage that is going to show us how some of his followers had lost hope and how it was restored. Now, it's kind of a lengthy passage, but I think you're going to enjoy it. And I think it's, it's rich in information and it's, it's one that it's going to attract you in. So let's read it. If you have your Bibles, would you turn them to Luke 24? Luke 24. We're going to read from verse 1 to 11. You can turn on your Bibles to Luke 24, verses 1 through 11. And here's what the Bible says. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them. Clothed in dazzling robes, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the man asked, look at what they asked. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man, and that is another title for Jesus, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. When they remember that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But look at verse 11. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. Did you notice that last verse? They said it was nonsense. They said it was unbelievable that they couldn't believe it. How is it possible That the disciples who had spent three and a half years with Jesus, the disciples who had seen the miracles, the disciples who had heard the wonderful teachings of Jesus, who had had special revelation from God, how is it possible that after they hear the glorious news that Jesus is not in the tomb, that his body cannot be found in the grave, that he has risen from the dead, how is it that they can think that the report that the women are giving them is nonsense? See, Jesus had predicted and talked about, uh, about his own death and resurrection. He told them on various occasions that this is what's going to happen. And now that it was happening, they couldn't believe it. It sounded like nonsense. Question, why do you think they couldn't believe it? Why do you think the news of Jesus rising from the dead sounded like nonsense. I'll tell you why. Because they had lost hope. It's a sad thing to lose hope. It's a sad day when a person loses hope. And when a person loses hope, that is the beginning of a down spiral. That is the beginning of not good things beginning to happen in your life. And there's three reasons I want to encourage you to not lose hope, to not give up on hope. And if you've lost hope, to seek to restore it and find hope again in your life. Let me give you three reasons why we cannot lose hope. Number one, because lack of hope will submerge you in darkness. If you lose hope when hope is lacking in your life, your life will be overwhelmed by the darkness. Let's continue reading that story in Luke 24, and we're going to start at verse 13. Look at what it says right there. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing. Pay attention to that. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness was written across their faces. When one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. And verse 20, but our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. These followers of Jesus had given up hope and now they had plunged into the darkness of circumstances. And you're probably asking, well, Pastor Nestor, how do you know they had given up hope? How do you know that they were plunging into darkness? Well, we know they had given up hope because they were returning home. They were returning to a mess. They said, let's go back home. See, they were abandoning their dreams, their longings, that being with Jesus had raised in their life. They had believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was going to be the one to save them. But now that he was dead, and their hope was dead, they said, well, we might as well go home. And the hope that Jesus would be a great deliverer and return the glory to Israel had disappeared when they saw Jesus died. And they lost hope. By losing hope, they allowed darkness to invade their being. And when hope is lost, Your soul and your life will be filled with darkness. See, when someone loses hope, that person opens the door to doubt, to despair, to discouragement, to depression, to confusion, to uncertainty. And the moment you lose hope is that moment that you accept things as they are. And you say, well, you know, I, I, I just have to come to realize that this is how they are and this is how they're going to be. And in, in essence, what you're really doing is that you're giving up. You're throwing your hands in the air. You're throwing in the, the white towel. And you're saying, I give up. Because when you lose hope and darkness fills your soul, you accept things as they are. And you give up. And let me tell you, when you give up, you're giving up victory. You're giving up the victory that God has and wants to give you. Do you know why people accept? Why people settle for a condition of life inferior, lower to what God dreams and wants for them? Do you know why people settle for a life that God didn't decide for them? Because they've lost hope. Because they've given up on hope. And I think you will agree with me that we're living in dark days. The dark days of this virus that is causing a pandemic, that is causing thousands and thousands to die. The dark days that we live in where there's financial crisis. The stock market is at an all-time low. These days are so dark and full of uncertainty. We don't know when this is going to end. We don't know how different our life is going to be after this is done. And it's a dark time. And it's a time that many of us did not anticipate. But listen, here's the beauty. In the middle of darkness, God speaks. In the middle of this darkness, God has something to say to you and something to say to me. And I believe that he made a way for you to connect today to hear this message and to hear specially this coming verse because I think it is so fitting for what we're going through in the middle of this darkness. And look at what God says in Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I want you to know that these words were set to a people that were in dark times, that were living in a dark uh, season of their life. They were in exile in the in the city of Babylon, a, a people that were far from God, that didn't honor God. Their family life was in disarray, their economy was at rock bottom, and even their religious life was in disorder. The prophets that they had kept lying to them, and in the middle of the darkness that the people of God were experiencing in that time, God shined a light of great promise. God speaks in the middle of their darkness, and he speaks in the middle of your darkness and my darkness. And here's what he says. He says, I have a plan. I have a plan for you. I have a good plan for you. I have a plan to prosper you. I have a plan to give you hope. And listen, I want you to know that God has a good plan that God wants to bring goodness to you. And we're going to talk at the end of this message why the resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of all the good plans that God has for you. But I want you to know in the midst of all that is going, of all the darkness, of all the negativity, of all the pain, of all the lost, God says, I have a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. Don't give up hope. And you're probably wondering, well... Pastor, can, can light really shine in the middle of darkness? Yes, it can. Absolutely, it can. Have you ever experienced a blackout? Have you ever had power go out in your block or in your neighborhood? I'm sure we've all experienced that, especially here in the valley, right? There's times when, when the whole power will go out and suddenly, I don't know if it's happened to you, but it's definitely happened to me. One of the houses in our block, it still has power. They still have their lights on. Which begs to ask, well, well, how is it that everyone around that block has lost power, but these individuals in the middle of a blackout still have power? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how. Because they have something called a generator. Inside that home, inside that house is a source of power that is not affected by the external dark circumstances. And when you and I, when we have an internal generator, we're going to have a source of power in our lives that is not going to be affected by what's going on outside. And that generator is called hope. Hope is an internal generator that will light your soul when darkness surrounds you. Someone said that hope is the internal voice that whispers to your ears, yes, you can, when everyone is yelling, no, you can't. You see, hope produces optimism, joy, and enthusiasm. Hope gives us the confidence and security in the middle of insecurity, in the middle of darkness. And when when we lose hope, our life will be overwhelmed by darkness. But second, second reason why we can't lose hope. Because the lack of hope obscures your vision. Lack of hope produces distorted perspective. The lack of hope won't let you see correctly. And the lack of hope not only affects how you see, but what you can see. Let's continue reading uh, in verses 21 through 26. and, And look at what we read there. It says, we had hope he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago when some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? How do we know that these disciples had lost hope? Well, they said so. They said, we had hope. That means that there was a time when they had hope, but now they didn't. They had given up on hope. And with the ability, when they gave up hope, they gave up the ability to see correctly and fully. They had information, but couldn't connect the dots. They, they viewed the events of that Friday as something that had just happened and not as something as part of God's bigger plan. And they couldn't see clearly because they lacked hope. And listen, the women came and gave them good news. They said, the tomb is empty. Angels appeared to us and told us that he was alive. And then some of our other fellow disciples were able to reaffirm what these women were reporting. But even then, they couldn't believe. Why? Because they had lost hope. See, without hope, you stagnate. Without hope, you can't make progress. Reminds me, my dad is staying in Ensenada, Baja California right now. And uh, when we go visit him where he lives, uh, there really isn't paved roads. It's a bunch of dirt roads. And uh, one of the scariest things for me when I go is for a hard rain to come while we're there. Because if a hard rain comes, those dirt roads turn into mud roads. And my little car can easily get stuck in that pit. And I don't know if you've ever gotten stuck in the mud, but if, you, if your car has got, ever gotten stuck, you can, you can press the, the pedal, you can give a gas, you can go reverse, you can go forward, and your car still stays stuck. Because when you're stuck... Even all the effort that you put in can make things worse. And that's exactly what happens in our lives when we lose hope. If you give up hope, you can do all you want to do to try to exit the circumstances, but you won't be able, and in many cases, you will make things worse. How can you know if you've lost hope? How can I know if I've lost hope? Very good question. You can know you've lost hope when you stop making plans. When you stop thinking about the future. When you stop making plans that good things will happen in the future. And you stop making plans because without hope, you can't look at the future. When your hope is alive, when hope is alive in us, there is anticipation. There is expectation. There's desires. Here's why. Listen to this. Because hope always lives in the future. Hope lives in the future. Hope points to where you are going and not to where you have been. To live without hope is to be stuck in the past, to be stuck in the moment. And hope always lives in the future because hope says, this is not where I'm going to be. This is not where I'm going to stay. There's a destination ahead and I'm planning, I'm anticipating, I'm looking forward to it. Did you know that your trajectory, that where your life ends up, will be determined by the level of hope that you have? Because hope will drive you towards achieving your goals. Hope will produce a vision in you that you'll go after. Hope will will give you a desired future, a preferred future. And hope will give you the strength and the vigor to go after it. The third reason why we can't lose hope is because hope restores vitality. Hope restores vitality. Let's finish reading that story. We're going to begin in verse 27 all the way to verse 32. Read it with me right there. Look at what it says. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures that thing, the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went, he, he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave thanks to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. See, here we find the key to restoring hope. The scriptures tell us, that passage tell us, that suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized them. And when they recognized that the man they had been talking to was Jesus, darkness was dispelled from their eyes, from their beings. And when darkness, when the darkness was dispelled, they were able to understand, they were able to see things more clearly. They were able to see that what had happened on Friday was part of God's amazing plan. That it was not a misfortune, but that in fact it was something that God had orchestrated. It's something that God wanted to do. It was then that they were able to connect the dots. It wasn't until they recognized Jesus that hope was restored to them and they were able to make sense of things. It was then that they realized that the cross was necessary for the resurrection. It was then that they were able to connect that Friday was connected to Sunday. And they understood A couple of things about Friday, about the cross, about the death of Jesus. There's three things that they understood. Number one, they understood that the greatest love was being displayed. They understood that as Jesus was dying, as Jesus was going to the grave, the greatest love was being displayed. Look at what John 15, 13 tells us. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Did you catch that? No greater love than to give your life. Someone said that love is determined by how far you're willing to go. That your willingness to go far or as far determines and measures your love. You know, when you're young and you're dating and you're in love, you'll go far. You're willing to drive to another city just to bring her a cheeseburger. You're willing to drive to the next town just to get her a frozen yogurt. Why? Because you're in love. Let me tell you something. No one has gone as far as Jesus went for you and for me. Because he laid down his life. And as Jesus was dying, he was dying an innocent man. And he was willing to die because he loved you and he loved me. Which is the next thing that they understood about Friday and the death of Jesus. And the second thing that they understood was that the highest price was being paid. Look at what Ephesians 1, 7 tells us. Because of the blood of Christ, we are bought and made free from the punishment of sin. And because of his blood, our sins are forgiven. His loving favor to us is so rich. Why is it that By Jesus dying was the greatest expression of love. Well, here's why. Because we were slaves to sin. Because sin was our master. Because sin ruled our life. And he paid the price. He paid a high price. He paid the price of his own life so that you and I could be forgiven and set free. And listen, when Jesus died, every sin that you've ever made, Any sin that you could ever made, he paid for it. And he carried it on the cross and he died an innocent man. And he died paying for your sins, the high price of his life. And let me tell you something, because Jesus paid the high price, you and I can be forgiven and we can be set free. And I want to tell you today, I want to tell you that if you are carrying guilt if you are carrying shame, if you are carrying depression, if you're struggling with an addiction, if you are a slave to your past, I want to tell you that today you can find freedom and forgiveness. That you can be set free. That you can find the love, the greatest love of all, that will set you free and forgive you. And the third thing that the disciples realized and understood was that hope was being restored. Not only was the greatest love being displayed, not only was the highest prize being paid, but hope was being restored. Look at what Zechariah 9.12 tells us. Prisoners, go home. Right now, we can go home. What's our home? In the presence of God. Home is not far from God. Home is where God is. That's what we were created to be. But sin robbed us of that privilege. And Zechariah says, prisoners, go home. Now you have something to hope for. I am telling you now, I am coming back to you. See, in the death of Jesus and in his resurrection, hope was being restored. Most of us think that we need favorable circumstances to have hope. Hope has nothing to do with your circumstances. The hope That stays alive in dark days is not found in circumstances. It's found in a person and that person is Jesus Christ. Hope is not circumstances. Hope is a person. And because hope is Jesus, hope is alive. Because hope has overcome dead. He's conquered the grave. And by the power of his resurrection, now he can offer you and me abundant life. And by the power of his resurrection, he can offer you and me a bright future. And when you have Christ within your heart, you have the source of power that that cannot be affected by the dark around you. When you have Christ living in your heart, you will see the plans of God that are good plans be realized in your life and you will advance. You will make progress towards the good future that God has for you. But you need to understand that hope is Jesus. See, the mere celebration of Easter will not do it for you. If you celebrate Easter, but you don't have An experience with Jesus, then all you're doing is really just celebrating a holiday. You're doing something that the church has maybe done for many, many years. And Easter will be nothing more than an opportunity to maybe dress up nice, have a nice lunch with your family, maybe hide a few eggs for your kids. But here's the saddest thing of all you'll remain the same person. You'll remain stuck. You'll still struggle with the same problems. You'll still have the same issues. You'll still have the same needs. You'll still have the same worries. Because it is only when you meet the risen Christ that everything will change for you. It is only when you meet the living hope that is Jesus Christ that our lives can be transformed. The benefit of the resurrection, the reason for Easter can only be received when you know and you accept Jesus into your heart. The power of the resurrection is only experienced when you have a personal encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. See, many people, and this may include you, know about Jesus. You know the stories. You know his teachings, but many people do not know him. They know about him, but they don't know him. And if we look at the story and the disciples, it wasn't until they met the risen Jesus, until they met the risen Lord, that their eyes were open and everything changed for them. Hope returned. And they began to live again. And it isn't until you have a personal encounter that your life will change. Which I want to ask you today. Would you like to encounter Jesus? Would you like to encounter living hope? I think today's a good day. And I told you earlier, God has good plans for you. And those plans begin when you accept Jesus and you let him forgive you and set you free and you experience hope, you experience the life that he offers us. And today is a good day in the middle of this darkness. I don't think it's a coincidence that we get to celebrate Easter during this epidemic, during this crisis. Because Easter reminds us that God's hope is not dependent on circumstances, but is dependent on on his character, on who he is. And let me tell you something, Jesus is still alive. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing.